Well, friends, I am here. Most of my voice is as well. I'm, uh, well, it's, you know, this is a work in progress. Sam Murchofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Live and local, coming to you from beautiful downtown Las Vegas. Uh, Common Sense Conservatism, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. Well, the Knights... The Golden Knights are now 2 nothing ahead in the series here to clinch the, well, to, to, to win it all, right? This is it, the Stanley Cup, sixth season since the Knights uh, began as an expansion team here in Las Vegas, and now it seems that they will, well, they're doing well enough, they're playing well enough to have a 2 nothing lead over the Panthers, Florida Panthers, and, well, it's been fabulous. So I did not go to the game last night. My partner, Ash, uh, went uh, to the game yesterday. I was at home watching on the big screen TV that I have, and uh, so I did I did, a, I did considerably ye- less yelling than I did when I went to game one in person. was just commenting to some people, including Ash here today at lunch, that... You know, she went, and it it is just beyond loud in there. So, again, in defense of me losing my voice over this, uh, it is very loud, and what can I tell you? Um, I am so happy and stoked for Las Vegas that we are this close to the Stanley Cup. Now, I have one more thing to say about this uh, that is sort of a comment about, about hockey, but also a more of a comment about how statistics and numbers are presented. Because frequently here on the show, we talk about that. We talk about numbers and we talk about statistics, and and I make it clear how these things are easily manipulated by people. And here's just a, a, a simple example of it that I have. So this is a seven-game series, right? In hockey, to, to, to win, it's the best of seven. Now, if... if you know, that means, of course, there could be as few as four games, provided that one team here, the Golden Knights, were to win. They won two. Now, if they win two more, it's over. But by virtue of it being a seven-game series, you know, the, the Knights have to win the best of seven. And now, right now, what? How many? How many? Uh, how many games are are left? Right. Well, five, and. That means that the other team, in order to, 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 to win this, the other team of Florida has to win four out of five games, which is, I'm telling you folks, that's just statistically very, there's very low pro- probability of that. Can it happen? Absolutely. So I was watching you know, TV after the game. They had Wayne Gretzky on, a bunch of commentators, and <laughs> they're talking about this. They go, well, you know, this is, I mean, Florida's not out of this at all. I mean, you know, well, look, they could do what Vegas did. Vegas won two at home. They could now, because the series now moves to Florida, moves to uh, Miami. They're going to play it there, the two games there. They could win two at home, and then it's a best of three. And I'm like, yeah, well, that sounds really nice, doesn't it? What's a best of three? No, it's literally four out of five. They need to win four out of five games. And it's the same numbers, right? But just presented in a way that makes it sound completely different. So it's just, it's just an observation. 
how there's BS everywhere. There's you, oh, you turn on the TV, you look at politics, of course. They don't give it to you straight. Even when it comes to sports, they still want to find ways to hate on Vegas. Because there's, you know, there is, I perceive, I don't know about you, I perceive when I watch the national sports media talk about the Golden Knights, I, I sense a little bit of animosity. I sense a little bit of dislike for our home team here, and that's fine. We, um, we here, we can take it. We're tough. We're Vegas-born. We can, we can handle it. So anyway, there it is. Now, speaking of handling adversity, a fascinating story rolling at in the last 24 hours. Elliot Page, nay, Ellen Page. This was the actress who decided that she would become a man. And in some capacity, you know, it's become a bit of a cause celebre for the trans movement. And that's not really what the story is about, though. Just giving you some background. Elliot Page reveals that he, she was a victim of a chilling transphobic attack outside an L.A. hotel. Now, it wasn't just, by the way, a Los Angeles hotel. It was on a corner in West Hollywood. According to Page, someone, some horrible, disgusting human being, (laughs) came along and began yelling, at her, I'm going to effing gay bash you, and then concluded that aggressive statement with a gay slur. Now, there is zero corroboration of this incident, but it's been, you know, this has been reported. Everyone is talking about this in national media. Now, I wasn't there. You weren't there. None of us were there. We don't know what actually happened. I have some thoughts about this because, of course, the the narrative is how dare this happen in America? And adjacent to that, then, the mainstream media is bombarding us with statements like, for example, this is because of the pushback against trans rights. This is a consequence of people speaking out and being comfortable in sharing their transphobic views that something like this could happen. By the way, the, the, the person that, that yelled, I'm going to gay bash you, also allegedly yelled, quote, this is why I need a gun, close quote. Now, have any of you been to West Hollywood? The locals call it WeHo. Have you been to WeHo? I'm just, listen to me. Hear me out on this. I'm, this is not, what are the chances? I'll phrase it this way. What are the chances that this is either partially or wholly not true. And you have to ask this, of course, in the context of a series of high-profile quote-unquote hate crime attacks that have fizzled, and that's a nice way of putting it, that have been proven to be 
categorically false. Where the putative, right, the (laughs) alleged victims, supposed victims, end up being just colossal liars. They're full of it, right, to put it colloquially. Jesse Smollett, well, that's one. Then we have the infamous noose, you know, with NASCAR, with the noose hanging from the garage. How, oh my goodness, this is a hate crime because against the one driver in NASCAR that's black. It turned out to, to not be much of anything. That the, but there, there's, there are a lot more, by the way, less high-profile events. The, the lady gal that was attacked for supposedly by MAGA hat wearing Trump supporters because this gal was wearing a hijab, her little Muslim headdress. Turned out that really she just was coming home after curfew, didn't want to get in trouble with her dad. (laughs) So she completely made up a story. Washington Post wrote an article about this a little while ago. Our hate crime hoax is on the rise with real hate crimes. And Washington Post pegs the number at about 5% being hoaxes. Yeah, I believe the number's a lot higher. If the Washington Post says it's 5%, uh, I think, you know, I think the number's significantly higher. And, uh, well, the, look, the, 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 the real story here is that anyone who reports a crime that, isn't, that didn't actually happen, anyone who alleges an assault that didn't happen, anyone that alleges an attack that didn't happen is doing a tremendous disservice for every real victim of of any real attack. That's one thing. Now, the second thing is, day in and day out in Los Angeles, in New York, in San Francisco, I'm just naming a few blue left-wing cities. What do we have day in and day out that's verified that I know is real because it's on tape and I've seen it and it's every time I open my Instagram, there it is, you know, videos and videos and videos of what? Innocent people getting physically attacked, actually physically attacked by people who are legit criminally insane. Those people, of course, maybe, maybe get cited, maybe get arrested absolutely get released right away no you know no jail time no consequences no nothing and we are supposed to be here and cry over Elliot Page overpaid hack actor actress whatever the hell he or she is about getting yelled at I mean, in the context of the out-of-control criminality, violence, and criminal assaults that occur day in and day out in Los Angeles, I would think this was relatively low at the bottom of the list. But the reason that she is getting oxygen for this is because, again, it is all about the movement. It has nothing to do about humans. It has no, nothing to do about actual criminality. It has everything to do with the narrative. The left wants a narrative. And so all journalistic questioning and all journalistic standards are suspended. 
No one asks for corroboration. I've read the news reports. There's no corroboration here. It's just her talking about this. And we're supposed to trust somebody that doesn't even know, you know, what gender they are. I, side note here, right? And this is a very controversial thing to say, but as a foundational thing, you know, element to all of this, Elliot Page has some mental problems. And we are supposed to take what she's saying here and, you know, and run with it. I don't like it. And by the way, what transphobe yells? What is what this yell? I'm going to gay bash you? Who says that? And finally, let me say this. I got to take a break. Finally, you want to experience a hate crime? Folks, I have, an, I have a proposition for you. Go to West Hollywood. Go on a Friday night. Put on a Trump hat. I'm telling you, put on a red Make America Great hat. Put it on and walk down the street. Walk two blocks in West Hollywood on a Friday night wearing a Make America Great Again hat. You will experience hate crimes that will uh, that would make Jesse Smollett blush. Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. I'll be back in just a moment. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Sam Rajofsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian. Glad to be here, folks. Land of the free and of the brave and of the toasty as we start to flirt with triple-digit temperatures here in the valley. I, for one, enjoy the summer. I like the warm air. Oh, it's those pesky 37-degree mornings in the winter that really get me. So this is great. Welcome back to the What's Right Show. Glad to have you with us, folks. Talking about, you know what? The entire premise of hate crimes actually bothers me. And what I mean by this is uh, I, as a lawyer, you know, I look at elements of criminal offenses and I, I look at how, you know, crimes are charged. And to me, an, an assault, an attack is an attack, an assault, uh, regardless of motive, right? Motive is, you know, in, in so many areas of the law, motive is actually irrelevant. Now, your, your mens rea, your, your, your consciousness of your, of your guilt and what you're doing is wrong, that's important. Planning ahead, right? Premeditation, that's an element in a crime. But your motive for it really is largely irrelevant. I'll give you an example that isn't so closely tied to something as emotional as hate crime. And I'm bringing all this up because Elliot, formerly known as Ellen Page, claims that she was the victim of a transphobic attack in West Hollywood, which is about as likely as a vegan shop somewhere in a small town in Montana. But I just mentioned that because I have my suspicions. But the hate crime question, right? The left wants to find a motive for crime 
and, it, and, and frequently they do this in a way to minimize the culpability of the offender. The best example I have is uh, certainly if you, if you contact any nice Leninist out there, they will tell you that somebody who steals in order to put bread, food on the table is less culpable of a crime than somebody who steals, I guess, for the fun of it or for, you know, to buy a Ferrari or something unnecessary. You've all heard elements of these arguments. You've seen Les Miserables, right? You understand that that's a narrative that's out there, okay? Jean Varjean, he couldn't help it. He was hungry. He stole some silver, and then he made something of himself. What a criminal success story. The same token is, you know, an assault is an assault. I punch someone in the face. I kill them with a, with a gun, with a bullet. My motive for doing that, in my view, isn't really necessarily relevant. I think, you know, I think if you kill somebody, you go straight to the gas chamber. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. I don't care if it was a hate crime or not. I'm all for punishment, right? I'm not an anti-punishment guy. I'm a Mr. Law and Order. But we are creating special protections for these special classes of people. This is something liberals have gotten us conservatives to buy into. And many of us have. So we sit around, we talk about hate crimes, and we get really caught up about hoaxes, which of course I think are a significant Oh, there's a some significant number. Of course, Jesse Smollett being a, a famous one of those, but there's many, many, many out there that um, have happened. There's a website that tracks this, fakehatecrimes.org. And this is a database of hate crime hoaxes in the U.S. You can go on it, fakehatecrimes.org. Um, let me try that again. Fakehatecrimes.org. Thanks. I'm getting a little tongue-tied over here. It's a comprehensive list, as best as it can be here, of 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 stuff that was reported um you know f for example top of the list here uh police determined white power graffiti on high school actually painted by a hispanic gang although as a caveat there i will say that now a number of white power leaders in the u.s according to the fbi are hispanic so i'm just saying you know who knows but this is a good list but it's the premise of this that fundamentally bothers me all right, so what do we do with this, right? What now? Why is this happening? Why do these hoaxes, by the way, take off? And the answer is, is because they're supported by the media and they're supported by the media because the narrative that they want to advance is that trans people and gay people and everybody's under attack. Now, what do we know? What do you know? What do I know about this? What do those of us that have a modicum of common sense that just want to live our lives, what do we know? What's our perspective on this? Well, the truth is, we don't, we're not here to attack anybody. We don't want to attack anybody. If this actually happened to Ellen Page on the street of, of, of West Hollywood, I mean, if it happened, this person's nasty and despicable. This is, this is awful, and we don't condone it. But we also want to live our lives without having our kids 
you know, constantly being attacked and, uh, well, stuffed with this stuff. All right, I, I got to take a break. That's the music. I'm more on this when we come back. Don't go anywhere. The What's Right show will be back in a minute. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the What's Right Show. You're listening to the number one program in Las Vegas political news talk. Right here on, well, where are we? <laughs> AMA 40 KXNT. That's right. And, you know, my studio here in beautiful downtown Las Vegas with a view of, where am I looking at? I'm looking at Circa. I'm looking at Fremont Street. On the other side of me, I have the Stratosphere. Beautiful sunny day, blue skies, absolute paradise. I am living the dream. Yeah, well, what, just a few years ago, I was in California, so I, I have something to compare it to. Uh, definitely uh, better off now. Now, I have to say this piece in CNN, this ties it all together, and we're, we're discussing the, well, there's a, well, there's a series of, of hate crimes being reported lately. We got drawn into the Jussie Smollett story. Remember Jussie Smollett? He was the actor. What was his show? Empire? Was that the show? And he claimed to have been assaulted by two assailants. Two guys attacked him in a very, very cold park. Well, it was outside. Very cold day in a park. And he, uh, yeah, he got attacked. They were wearing MAGA hats. Tied a noose around his neck. It was an you know, it was a national news story. President Trump, who was in office at the time, spoke about it, said this is it's terrible. They were yelling, this is MAGA country, get out of here, called him the N-word, all, you know. It was all made up. Jesse Smollett is a total con artist. And he was later, you know, convicted of crime related to that. I don't know, probably did one day in jail. I don't, I don't remember the whole story of how it all shook out. But there are hundreds of Jesse Smollett's who report hate crimes that never occur. They do it for attention. They do it because of, I think, largely a supply and demand problem. Now, those of you who are thinking I'm going to launch into a discourse here on Reaganomics, well, sort of. There is an almost insatiable demand on the left in the media, among politicians, for racism, homophobia, transphobia, etc. And I don't think there's actually enough of a supply of it. And I give you case and point here, a piece in CNN today. Human rights campaign. Remember, these are the people who are pushing the equity index. These are the folks that are supported by George Soros. These are the biggest hate mongers out there. These are the ones who are, you know, are ruining American corporations with their metrics, their demand that everybody beat to their woke drum. The human rights campaign declares a national state of emergency for LGBTQ plus people. So I saw this headline. Of course, I click on it. I got I to gotta read this. <clears throat> are you ready for this? 
All right, buckle up, Buttercup. Here we go. Quote, for the first time in its four-decade history, America's largest lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender and queer civil rights organizations declared a national state of emergency. Quote, LGBT, this is the quote within the article, LGBTQ plus, plus Americans are living in a state of emergency. The multiplying threats facing millions in our community are not just perceived, here we go, they are real, they're tangible, and dangerous. There's an appalling lack of an Oxford comma here. I'm going to let that go. The group's president, Kelly Robinson, said, quote, in many cases, they are resulting in violence against LGBTQ plus people, forcing families to uproot their lives and flee their homes in search of safer states and triggering a tidal wave of increased homophobia and transphobia that puts the safety of each and every one of us at risk. I am laughing at this because I want to ask you honestly, do you really think that, yeah, because I know what they're talking about. You know what they're talking about. What they're talking about is the tide is turning against their nonsense. We've had it. No, a biological male cannot compete against females. It's not fair. Now that's not violence. The fact that they're losing the argument on that isn't a real threat against the LGBTQIA plus two-spirit community. No, it's a threat to this organization because their BS is losing traction. They're done. They're on the run. And all they've got is more scary, scary woo-woo talk about all this you know, horrible stuff that's happening. And then Ellen Page, well, Elliot Page, now goes by that name, who is writing a book. She's writing a book. She's got a book that's going out. Claims that some transphobe in West Hollywood, I mean, producer Robbie, be honest with me. How many transphobes are in West Hollywood, are in WeHo, in Los Angeles, in a neighborhood that is 99% certifiably gay. I mean, I, I, it's a legit question because I, I know you know that neighborhood fairly well. And by the way, I'm not trying to, but Bruce Robbie's married to a woman, but I'm just, I'm just throwing this out there. How many? Like zero. And what did, you, what, what, got, what, did, what did they yell at, at Ellen Page? What was the thing that they yelled at her? I'm going to gay bash you. This, this is why I need a gun. I'm going to gay bash you. Where's the police report? Nowhere in any news story do I see a police report being filed. This was a terrorist threat and a, and a you know, in California, hate crime. Where's the police report? Ah, well, maybe, maybe, maybe there wasn't enough. And, and supposedly there was a witness in the store that, that, helped, that helped Elliot Page get in, Ellen Page, whatever, get into the store and, and, uh, and, and, and hit her from this person, this assailant. The whole thing stinks to me. Now, I'm not saying it didn't happen, but I'm also not saying that it did. And what I'm getting, when I, yes, well, she's got an agenda here to, to sell a book, but the, the reason the media is carrying water for the story is because their agenda is that they've got to keep the hate stuff flowing. Now, the best part here from the article on the human rights campaign declaring a state of emergency is that, that they keep talking about the Pulse gay nightclub shooting in Florida and Orlando. Remember this? And the Club Q shooting in Colorado. 
years after, direct quote, years after 49 people were killed at the Pulse Gate nightclub in Florida and Club Q in Colorado in November. Excuse me. And Club Q in Colorado in November became the site of a massacre at a beloved LGBTQ safe space. You know what bugs me about this? It's that facts don't matter to these people. They pushed this narrative the same way they pushed the whole don't say gay thing in Florida. Oh, you know, DeSantis doesn't like gay people. No, he doesn't want you to sexualize kids in the second grade. That's what. The narrative from the beginning with these clowns was that the Paul Shooter was a, he was a, some closeted gay guy. He committed the shooting out of guilt because, you know, he happened to, you know, have some conflicted feelings. We know that the Pulse nightclub shooter, he had several Facebook accounts. He wrote uh, posts that he was promising vengeance for American airstrikes in Iraq and Syria. Guess who he, oh, guess what religion he was? Hmm? We can't talk about that. Oh, he's Muslim. Okay. During the shooting, the shooter made a 911 call claiming it was an act of retaliation for the airstrike killed, among others, ISIS militant Abu Wahib just the previous month. He told, he told the police negotiator on the other line to tell America to stop the bombing. Then the FBI showed up. You know, that clown show. They show up, and what? Now, I want to connect all this to you because I've, I've, we've spoken before about the FBI pushing. We know this from the whistleblowers. They're pushing what? Domestic terrorism white supremacy, hate crimes. They want those numbers to be up. Again, there's a supply and demand problem. They literally don't have enough of it, actual of it, so they're converting garden variety crime and even actual legit Islamic terrorism and turning it into homegrown domestic terror that fits the profile of what the FBI wants to declare as being the narrative in the country so Biden and others can stand up and demagogue about how awful America is. So yeah, the FBI showed up. They couldn't verify any claims, but they, they, they didn't verify that the shooter was gay or that he frequented any gay bars or that he even knew that the Pulse nightclub was a gay bar. He was out there to kill Americans. That's it. And the thing that irks me is is listen these are these are the facts of it right the fbi went through there were no photographs no text messages smartphone app there was no, nothing he didn't have any gay porn on his i mean for literally yet the original narrative continues to persist to the point that cnn is putting it literally i printed this article up i almost want to get a hamster here for my my office so I can shred this article and have the hamster do his business on it because that is about what these words are worth. They are such losers, these people, and they are thrashing because they are losing. They're losing the battle. It's a joke, and I've said it here before. Those people, those... All the great gay and lesbian folks out there who just want to live a life and be with their partner, be with their husband and their wives and, 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 you know, and, and do their thing. 
I, they have to be aghast by these by the T's here and what they're pushing. And it's it was the biggest mistake that ever happened was, was, was joining this group because they're the ones that are so aggressive about this. And then the human rights campaign. This, this, this group is, had lost, loses all credibility with me, honestly. So that's what's really going on. That's why you listen to the show because beyond the headline of just what's immediately in front of us. And for all the hoaxes, anyone who reports a crime that didn't actually happen reports a sexual assault that turns out to not have been a sexual assault, etc. That is um, obviously does untold harm to, the, to real victims. Because you're expending police resources and and public attention, all of that, on stuff that did not actually happen. We'll see how the news shakes out about Ms. Ellen Page uh, as the story progresses. Uh, Someone, some reporter is actually going to look at this and, and, and question the BS, I hope. Don't go anywhere. The What's Right Show will continue in a moment. Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. All right, friends, I am here. You're listening to Sam Morjofsky. That's me, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian. The show is the What's Right Show. You can find us not just here on the dial, 1 to 3 p.m., live and local, both on the AM signal, else, based on the commercials, I seem AM stations seem to be freaking out, also on the Odyssey app. So if, for example, you are in one of those newfangled electric vehicles, like my wife has, which she uses as an excuse not to listen to my program, it's fine. There's only so much of me that somebody should be subjected to. I understand that. But I keep telling her, you can go on the Odyssey app. You've got it right there. You can listen to this show crystal clear, beautiful, you know, like, you know, amazing sound. And you could do it live. So Odyssey app. But of course, if you miss the show time-wise, then you can always hit us up on the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey app, anywhere that you get your podcasts. We are there 24-7. And for example, you might miss a particular show and then you hear from a friend. Did you hear what Sam was saying? Oh my goodness. Almost burned my my eyebrows off. You got to go back and listen to this. Yeah, one of the shows last Tuesday, start of the week because of the weekend, you know, we talked about why this trans stuff is so important. It is. It's hugely important. News today, Norway bans child sex changes. Is joining Finland, Sweden, and the United Kingdom in rejecting radical gender ideology. The kids must be protected. Remember, the UK, they're... They were one of the early adopters of mutilating kids just for the sake of appeasing these radical trans people. And their clinic, their whole clinic, the one pediatric gender clinic, was shut down. And it was shut down because, like many clinics here in this country, it was discovered that kids were being fast-tracked into these operations and were later experiencing regret. And the published numbers would seem to be a small number of kids, but the fact of the matter is you don't shut down a clinic over one or two examples, right? That doesn't happen. You're shutting down the clinic because you know 
it is an out-of-control, off-the-chains catastrophe. So last week, the Norwegian Healthcare Investigation Board announced it would be revisiting its current guidelines regarding so-called gender-affirming care. What a euphemism, right? For minors, because it, and here's the imperative part, no longer considers them to be evidence-based. Evidence-based. The board also acknowledged that the growing number of teenage girls identifying as male post-puberty remains understudied. See, they're all about trusting the science when it behooves them. Trust the science. Remember during the during COVID? I'll, I'll, ne- I'll never stop talking about this. The flags, the pretentious, high, we're total lobotom- you know, lobotomized morons flags that people would put up and they'd be multiple colors um uh it was we in this house we believe love is love in this house we believe uh we believe in science in this house remember those flags and this was how i am told i guess you know people put different things out in front of their house in order to signal to others uh, you know, where they're coming from. So, I mean, apparently, and this is not just a Vegas thing, the pineapple signifies something. <laughs> I've been told he put out a pineapple. Or is it an upside-down pineapple? Producer Robbie would know. Anyway, this flag let everybody know that you were one of them. You were one of the crazy libs. And I, I, I guess I mean, a big prominent feature of this was that these were the people that were science-based. And we conservatives, you know, we were just, well, we were flat earthers. And it turned out that with COVID, in a very short period of time, we determined that we were right and they were wrong. For example, this is uh, just yesterday published, John Henderaker published a piece in Powerline about a a story in the Telegraph. Scientists from Johns Hopkins University and Lund University examined almost 20,000 studies on measures taken to protect populations against COVID across the world, okay? Here's the conclusion. You want the conclusion? It's gonna be pretty freaking validating to you. Are you ready? The study's authors conclude, quote, The science of lockdowns is clear. The data are in. The deaths saved were a drop in the bucket compared to the staggering collateral costs imposed. The deaths saved were a drop in the bucket compared to the staggering collateral costs imposed. What have we all been saying this entire time? We knew it. We saw it. And this is why we need to speak out and fight these radical trans activists, these gender nut jobs who are out there mutilating our kids. You know, it ought to be pretty worrying to the left that liberal countries like like Sweden... (laughs) and the UK and Norway and Finland are all banning this. They've all said enough is enough. They've acknowledged that the science isn't there. 
and yet plenty of decent people I know, their, their, their take on this is, well, you know, but some kids need this and it's necessary and we just, you know, the people need to keep doing what they're doing and it's, it's sad. And yet, again, I'm telling you, this is all positive news. We are slowly moving in the right direction. More of that, by the way. I, I, I was just talking to Alan Stock this morning. Yeah, and he asked me about that case in Vermont. You know, there's a big legal victory. And I think it's relevant for, for us here in Vegas. We only talked about it for maybe two minutes. I'm going to talk about that case because this was a girl who spoke up against a, a, a trans kid in the locker room. And she won her lawsuit against the school district. I'll tell you about it when we come back. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. All right, friends. Great to be with you as always. Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. here on News Talk 840. KXNT, Sam Rajofsky here, local attorney, man about town, and talk show host. Yes, I love this. I love the two-hour break I get from my my usual day job uh, to be able to spend time with you and talk about issues that are occurring in the news. I um, I look there, there's you know people ask me how do, how do you decide what to talk about. I get that question, and I always get the answer as well, too, from people. They say, well, listen, I, um, I, I get my news from you. That part worries me because there, there's a lot going on. I can't cover it all. I just react to things that I think are, are relevant. And then I also talk about things here that I think are critical points along the arc here of our, of our lives as we – experience this great American democracy of ours and have, you know, events occur that shape the future of this country. And I think, you know, I think that that, um, that's going on. Uh, I I saw a headline just moments ago to that end. Uh, Conservatives are revolting apparently against conservative uh, leader Kevin McCarthy. Um, 11 Republicans most of whom are members of the conservative House Freedom Caucus, joined Democrats in voting against a rule to advance four bills. This is related to gas stoves, which, of course, is I can't believe that they're still they still want to ban gas cooktops. Will these people get a life? For every email that I say, Sam, stop talking about the trans issues. I'm done with it. It's done with it. Let's talk about real stuff that matters. I guess, does does gas stoves, does the right to cook with gas, (laughs) is that, that, does that matter? Because it's the same thing as with the trans stuff. It's not actually about gas stoves. If, If gas stoves were murdering innocent lives, if it was snuffing out infants across the country we would all agree gas stoves need to go the way of the dodo we'd get it we'd be all aboard with getting rid of gas stoves the problem is the problem is that it's really about the environmentalist agenda it's really about killing fossil fuels it's really about basically 
legislating us back into the Stone Age to a place where we're, you know, going to be rubbing two sticks together in our backyard in order to try to uh, cook a beetle. Of course, these same people want us to eat bugs, and that's how we solve global warming because we can't eat meat. Gosh forbid we can't eat meat because that would be a major no-no. So anyway, I'm... Uh, we'll see what happens here with the Speaker McCarthy. I don't think he's going to face a, a demise here. Uh, the same people, I'll make this point, the same people, and I'm a critic, I understand, I don't like what happened here with the debt ceiling increase, but the same people that celebrated Kevin McCarthy on the left, right, the, the, the CNN and MSNBC, who celebrated him as a, this is a deal maker. See, this is a reasonable Republican. This is a guy who can get stuff done. Wow, this is the day that he became Speaker of the House, meaning showed his mettle as somebody who is able to advance the Democratic Party agenda. Those are the same people that will turn on him uh, the next minute. And any Republican that tries to win favor with the left as building a house of straw, right? Because eventually the mainstream media and their cohorts will come along and huff and puff and blow your house down. You know how the story goes. I'm just saying, that's the story. Now, here's a story that I want you to put on your radars because I know it happened in Vermont. The land of Bernie Sanders. That's right, Bernie Sanders and maple syrup. I don't know what else they have in Vermont. It's beautiful there. If you've ever been to Vermont, it's absolutely stunning, okay? But a Vermont school district is uh, has been forced to pay damages to a father and daughter who are both wronged by the school district. And it all started with the daughter. She's an athlete. She's in the locker room at her high school. And there's a trans student that comes in. Now, I promise you this is not going to be all about the trans students. It's a victory. It's a legal victory. There's an important component to this that as a lawyer I want to explain to you. So this case centers around the fact that this daughter spoke out about this, as did some of her friends. And the school came not to the defense of these girls who were you know, expected to change in front of a dude that is standing there with a you know, al dente schwanz leering at them that you know that they were totally you know that school district didn't care about that they cared that these gals were being transphobic and so they apologized made a big to do to the trans student and whatnot but the father spoke out about it and he was a soccer coach at the middle at a middle school in this district he ends up getting fired he gets fired for speaking out on behalf of his daughter dads every one of you Grandparents, grandfathers, you guys are listening. What would stop you from speaking out on behalf of your daughter in this situation or granddaughter in this situation? For me, nothing. I don't care. I would be the first one at that school board meeting and I'd be pounding my fist at the podium. You can imagine what a fiery speech I would give. That thing would break the internet. Well, anyway, I digress. So there was all this retaliation against the family. The family gets representation from the Alliance Defending Freedom. They won a huge settlement, attorney's fees and costs, etc., and also won apologies 
full reinstatement for the father, a scrubbing of all negative school records of discipline against the dad, whose name is Travis Allen, and of his daughter, Blake, from school records, because she got a discipline for this. She got disciplined, literally, for speaking out about a boy in the girls' locker room, standing there naked, watching, oogling these girls undressing. When I talk about this program being common sense conservatism, I mean it. There's nothing about this situation as it unfolded in Vermont that is defensible. None of it, like literally none of it. You cannot say this is okay. You cannot defend it. But the radicals out there defended it. They fought it. They punished the truth tellers. That's because these are Mao-Leninists and it's how they operate. Now, I had an important point to make here. The lawsuit, I read the, I read the original complaint that was filed and some of the, some of the documents back and forth. So they, they, they prevailed here in this lawsuit on constitutional grounds. It was a presented a, 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 most of their causes of action were filed under a, a 1983 statute, which is a deprivation of constitutional rights by state actors. Okay, and, and, and so this, one of the things that, I didn't get to uh, talk to Alan Stock, my good friend, Vegas at 8, from 8 to 9, Monday through Friday here on the station. We get to talk every Tuesday. It's the best part of my week, uh, usually around 8.30. I'm on with him. And one thing that we didn't get to, get to say is, like, what would happen, for example, I know many of you here have kids like me, have them in private school. And could this type of lawsuit prevail in, in private school? And, I, you know, I thought about it. Because somebody asked me, somebody asked me this morning about this after I was on the air. They said, well, what, what, how would this case, would it be any different if it was in private school? And, and the answer is you'd have to go about it differently because the private school is a private entity and they're not state actors. And so they can't necessarily, you can't necessarily sue them uh, for, for, for state violations of your constitutional rights where there's very specific U.S. code sections that, that, that protect you. Of course, also the Constitution, right? So, for example, First Amendment rights don't apply to private institutions. Now, there could be, of course, um, there could be breach of contract claims that are brought against a private school because presumably in a private school you are in privity of contract. You have a you have an agreement, right? Tuition agreement with your school. You're paying the money. They're agreeing to educate your kid, and you know, and and if they're putting your kid in harm's way, I mean, you you know. <laughs> I would argue that this is putting the kid in harm's way. You'd have you'd have to go about the case very differently. So the short answer is, even in a private school, you know this 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 stuff uh, could still be actionable. You could still have a civil suit against the private school. But here's the best thing about private school: you know, you're already in a state of mind where you're opting out. So you, you get to opt out. You get to take you get to go into the office and go. You know what? You have you have. 24 hours to give me back my tuition for the year or I'm going to burn this place to the ground with my lawyers. And most of the time these schools say, all right, we're done, you're done, we're signing a release, here's your money, and then you go and you take your kid to a different private school. I've talked about it here many times. There is a private school. I, I, I give it a matter of time. Before the Meadows School here in uh, Las Vegas has some story like this that comes out. 
it's already been there, right? It's already it's already happening. It is the most woke, left wing, bananas run school in in the and people pay good money to go there. I think to what's tuition twenty five thousand a year. By the way, the dirty secret was, <laughs> yeah, I've. I know a lot more about this than I'm going to say, but I, the, the dirty secret there is very few people pay that kind of money and they're upside down in, in their school. Uh, they're, they're not making, they're not bringing in the donations because of course a lot of the big donors have said enough is enough. And they're, they're not on board with this, with this ideology that's there. And uh, it just brings me back to a very important point about education. Can we leave the ideology out of it can we just get our kids in the classroom? Can we have them learn English? Can we have them read classic literature? Okay, you're not going to turn a kid into a raving conservative because you read Huck Finn. It's an important historic book. Read the classics. Read, you know, read Mark Twain. Read, go back even further. Go to the Greeks. Go, Read, read all of the, the great literature. But no, they would, they, would rather, they would rather put in nonsensical books by their ideologically driven fanatics because they want to radicalize our kids. They want to create a next generation of activists. All we want is conservatives, right? It's common sense. We want kids to be successful in life, to know how to read, how to write, how to communicate, how to work, want them to be good people. But that is not an adequate or sought-after currency in the world that the Democrats want to create. Never forget that. And by the way, that is what this is all about. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. All right, friends, there's a Lululemon CEO update. <laughs> Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. I know that most of you probably don't give a rip about $120 sweatpants. Um, that's fine. But Lululemon recently got into the news because at a store in, what was it, Texas? A couple of store uh, employees confronted some thieves that were stealing merchandise from the store and were later fired by the company for not following their protocols. Um, it was also reported that, of course, the Lululemon's uh, employees called the police, which they were not supposed to do. The store has vehemently denied that they were fired for reporting the theft to the police, but I understand that that was a part of it. They don't like reporting these thefts. They don't want to be in the news having any kind of confrontation with – well, they're a pretty you know, progressive company, so they don't want to be in the news for, for confronting people of color who are just out there looking to get some great sweatpants for themselves. I have a the, – the, the CEO – this is the update. Okay, the, Today in the news, the CEO who fired the employees stands by the decision to let them go, says it's only merchandise – Quote, we have a zero-tolerance policy that we train our, our uh, staff members on how to engage during a theft. Um, and, and he says that the two fired female workers, one of whom was an assistant manager, were not fired for calling the cops because they did not abide by the company policy. 
which says, says employees shouldn't engage with thieves. Now, okay, I understand. I understand that the store doesn't want the liability of, of employees getting hurt or killed in a robbery. I get that. But I want to tell you what's really going on here with stores like Lululemon. Because there is a contrast between how Lululemon is handling all of this and how Walgreens, for example, is handling all of it. You're probably thinking, well, what, what, are you, what are you talking about, right? I've seen this in the news. Walgreens, they've debuted a whole new anti-theft store. There's two aisles in it where consumers can actually shop for themselves. Everything else is locked up. You basically walk in and go, um, excuse me, I'd like a deodorant stick. And they go, well, okay, what kind do you want? And then some, you know, person walks back shelf and then brings it to you. All right? Two aisles of essentials only are open to customers. Everything else is on demand. And this is was one of the new anti-theft stores was debuted of all places. Well, okay, not in Summerlin. All right, I'm going to spoil alert here. Downtown Chicago. <laughs> okay, what's the difference? Folks, hear me out on this. What's the difference between Walgreens and Lululemon? I'll wait. Okay, I know the obvious, right? They're selling completely different products. Lululemon wants nothing more as a company than to have everyone buy their overpriced stretchy pants online. They don't want bricks and mortar stores. They don't want employees who they you know have to accommodate for all of their nose piercings and, and, and uh, pronouns, etc. They don't want any of that. And want to deal with it. They would love nothing more than charging the same amount for, for pants online. It costs them literally nothing. And be able to dispose of these expensive leases in these shopping centers and strip malls. I'm telling you, they don't care. They, they want to make a case for getting rid of stores. Walgreens, on the other hand, what is, what is a store like Walgreens for? What is a pharmacy for? I, okay, beyond just going to the pharmacy and getting prescription drugs, what is it for? That's where you go when, when you run out of toothpaste and you have to brush your teeth before you go to bed or go to work in the morning. And Amazon isn't going to cut it. Walgreens is a store that has to exist, that we, we need to exist because it is a store that, um, that, that is there for the essentials, the spur of the moment, moment shopping. And as a consequence, right, we as, well, those of us who have applauded the effort to make our criminal justice system more compassionate, those of us who have, I mean, it's not me, okay, it's not you. I'm just, I'm trying to be inclusive here. I guess this is me attempting inclusive language. Those of us who have sought uh, to get some restorative justice going in our, in our system, now all everybody that pushed that has to go and tell some clerk at a Walgreens, hey, uh, I need a toothbrush. 
And I want, you know, I want the kind that has the soft bristles and my brand is excellent. And by the way, I just people, no knock on people that work at Walgreens, but it just sounds like a living hell for me, right? But you get what you vote for. And I wonder, I always say that the connective tissue in the synapses of the liberal brain is kind of elusive and inoperable thing. So sometimes cause and effect between votes and policy and results of that policy is difficult for them to line it all up. I hope they can see it. But make no mistake, stores like Lululemon, they, they don't mind that they're getting robbed. By the way, the, the, this, the other thing is, they're absolutely right. A human life is not worth a pair of yoga pants. I know they're, I know they're 120 bucks when you and I go in there to buy them. But the reality is, is that they're all but valueless. I, it cost them like a dollar to make. I bet. Maybe a dollar twenty. All right, don't go anywhere. I'll tell you about the updates in the political race, GOP, everything going on in just a moment. Sam Burjofsky, be back in just a couple minutes. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. All right, friends, Sam Rajofsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering former Californian uh, here behind the What's Right Show microphone. Also rounding out this hour, (laughs) I didn't mean to say that, rounding out this hour and then to mention Chris Christie, that is rude. Never want to fat shame anyone. I think I said this yesterday, though, so I guess I I don't want to eat my words. All right, all right, enough. Enough, enough, enough. Um, Remember him eating the ice cream cone? Where was that? He's now running. It's official. Chris Christie is in the race. And you heard the CBS News bottom of the hour. By the way, I don't run the station. Uh, but I really think we could do better than CBS News at the top and the bottom of the hour. I'm just saying we could find somebody out there to do the news better. If I had the time, I would roll up my sleeves. I would do it myself. Can you imagine me delivering the news? Quick, pithy two minutes, top and bottom of the hour? I don't know. I'm just saying. Could be fabulous. Chris Christie, when he uh, was out there on the Coney Boardwalk eating an ice cream cone, it was a viral photograph that guarantees that he will never become president of the United States because it's just not going to happen. First thing that presidents do when they run for office, they have to they have to thin out. Now he's thinned out a bit. But it's not really his weight that's the issue here. It's the substance of Chris Christie. This guy is what's his constituency? Right? If 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 Mike Pence has like Three people, two dogs, and the Koch brothers. Who does Chris Christie have? That's that's the real question, right? I, 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 you know, a few people in New Jersey. New Jersey Republicans, yeah, that's a real base. He doesn't have anything. Uh, so I, you know, I'm I, I'm just I'm I'm baffled by this. I'm absolutely baffled by it. And I'm not, you know what, I'm not surprised. I, again, I'm not surprised that he's running. But it, it's, this, this is just, I'm telling you, it's not going to go anywhere. I did get a question. Yes, I'll get to that. 
Why do people who have not a snowball's chance in hell of winning run? Great question. Let me answer it. You ready? Because it is an opportunity for them. What's Chris Christie doing right now? Besides destroying a treadmill somewhere uh, at his house. He's not, doing, he's not doing anything relevant. So one, if you're a political guy and what you do is politics, you running for office, particularly the presidency, allows you to establish a campaign, start raising money, traveling a little, getting out there, shaking hands, kissing babies, doing the thing you like. Now, people, trust me, it's not something most people enjoy, but these political types, they love it. But they also are raising money and it's lucrative and it feeds their ecosystem of you know of 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 political operatives and it really turns into a vehicle to just win themselves some favors with their with their with their machine that they need to keep lubricated otherwise they're they're out of the game forever now the other part of this is they can posture if they're ultimately is a victor, a Republican victor, they can posture their exit from the campaign, leverage it for a goodie, for a little reward, a little, now Chris Christie will want more than ice cream cone. I'm just going to stop this. No, I mean, you, you know, at the very least, a nice little ambassadorship, maybe a cabinet secretary position, Need I say more than Pete Buttigieg? That's right, Mayor Pete running against Biden. He later, you know, flamed out of the race, but, but, but not before he got some internal, uh, call it uh, assurances that the victor in the race, ultimate victor in the nomination, right? Biden signaled to his people, listen, hey, you know, if I take it all the way, I'll keep you in mind. I'll put you in one of my binders. Uh, the transition team will think of you when it comes to open positions. And, you know, I mean, a guy like Buttigieg is all about open positions, so bada-boom, bada-bing. This is what it's all about, folks. I'm just, you know, I know I'm being funny here, but it's it's what it's all about. So Chris Sununu, um, again, and uh, Larry Hogan, both people that were being considered uh, that they might throw their hats in, former New Hampshire governor and former Maryland governor, respectively, both on Sunday announced that they would not run. And Cornell West yesterday said he's going to run as president for the People's Party ticket. The People's Party. Okay. So really, you know, this, this is the state of it. Now, a new campaign ad has dropped. This is a DeSantis pack ad that is targeting Trump. And I watched this ad, and I laughed out loud. Now, the ad, it it opens with Donald Trump saying a very uh, familiar and well-known catchphrase of his. And then the video, uh, the ad pivots to a series of clips of Trump uh, talking about our beautiful friend, our wonderful friend, Dr. Tony Fauci. So here's the ad. 
I think you'll follow it even though this is a video ad and I'm playing just the audio. I think you'll get what's going on here. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. You're all fired. All four are fired. You're fired. You're fired. Today I walk in, I hear I'm going to fire him. I'm not firing him. I think he's a wonderful guy. Should you have fired Fauci? So a lot of people ask me that question and I did it right. Because if you do fire him, you're going to have a firestorm on the left again. Why, why did you feel unable to fire Fauci? First of all, you're not allowed to. Every time he goes on television, there's always a bomb. But there's a bigger bomb if you fire him. Frankly, you can't win that one. If I would have done it, I would have taken heat. Um, there it is. I'm going to fire you. I'm firing you. Of course, this is all in the context of Trump's TV show. And then Fauci doesn't get fired. Now, can I defend Trump here for a moment? Don't hate me. Don't hate me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defend Trump. What he is saying there, what he is um, saying in those clips repeatedly about, you know, being worried that he's going to get attacked by the left if he fires Fauci, you have to... This is what I keep talking about. I keep talking until I'm blue in the face about the fact that you have to give Trump some excuse for the inordinate amount of incoming BS that he was getting hit over the face with that he was being tested with that no Republican ever has been, in modern times, has been tested with. Literally an entire FBI conspiring against him. James Comey et al. All of them going after him. That, you know, it does, it had an effect. And the last, you know, he was at this point in time when he should have been getting rid of Fauci. And, you know, he's, he's got to own it because I'm, you know, it's ultimately, he should have gotten rid of Fauci. And the fact that he took Fauci's advice and play patty cake with him as long as he did, cost human lives. Back to my story I shared earlier in the program about John Hopkins, Johns Hopkins University releasing its study on the effects of COVID mitigation. Devastating results, a total repudiation of the shutdown crowd. And Trump went along with this guy and he gave him air and he put him up there and you will not find a bigger critic of that here than me. I am, I mean, I think it's the great shame, and I think that this is a very effective ad for DeSantis to run because this is an Achilles heel for, for Trump with, with conservatives. I absolutely know that. But at the same time, my gosh, you can't help but have sympathies for Trump because when this was all going on, he was getting bombarded incoming missile attacks from everyone and so when he's up there saying I know I you know probably should have let him go but I couldn't because I you know I didn't want to I didn't want to you know dot 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 and I get that that's all I'm going to say about it right I, I mean it's it is what it is all right, more polling, news, etc. When we come back, don't go anywhere. The What's Right Show will continue in just a moment. This is your place for Common Sense Conservatism, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m.
Sam Merjofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT, gleefully making fun of Democrats and Republicans uh, alike. Uh, That is part of the joy of having this opportunity to be on air Monday through Friday. And look, if you didn't like any of my jokes and are stewing about it, please email me. I'm, I'm always happy to hear from even the folks out there that are displeased by my antics. Sam at samandashlaw.com. Sam at samandashlaw.com. Please email me. And, of course, if you got any questions, comments, concerns, email me. I'd love to hear from you. And I, I, didn't, I don't say this enough during the program, but I do check my email here uh, as I'm on air, and I do respond uh, if there's something uh, you know that's relevant to what it is that we're talking about. I will I will go over it. Uh, there is a a major polling update in Iowa. Iowa is uh, important because uh, you know we have, of course, a um, uh, Iowa is an early voting state, one of the early primaries, and DeSantis has now closed his gap uh, significantly with Trump. Lowered it by 14%. He's within 10 points of Trump. Yes, he's still behind. But since uh, he has apparently launched uh, his campaign, since he has been spending a considerable amount of time together with his wife, Casey uh, DeSantis, in Iowa, now it appears that they are making some headway. So what is, what's the numbers? Uh, Trump, uh, let's see, 48%. Originally, it was 48% to 24%. I don't. I want to be reporting these numbers very accurately because I don't want Trump to uh, get mad at me. Uh, but yes, uh, that that has that has uh, you know almost halved. So there it is. Okay. All right. I know. Look, I look. I understand. Um, I know. I, I, well, the, okay, well, let me look at some other polling. Okay, okay, you're mad. This is a, this one poll in Iowa. Virginia, that's, there's an update there in the presidential primary. Trump is up by 20 in Virginia. And so, so, and I, I, I can't see here where it, you know, where it's come down from. But plus 20. Remember, he was, he was yelling last week about, you know, his, one of the poll results being misstated that any city was up 35. And uh, so so up 20 is still, it's, it's, I feel like it's tightening. Now in California, Trump is up by 29 in the California Republican primary. California's, it's, it's going to be a way out there. I'm telling you, yesterday I, I spoke about this on air and I told you the 25, 25, 50. Those of you who didn't hear it, I'll do it quickly again. When you take all the polling and you look at the preference and you look at people that have a one, two, three preference, you know, they're okay. 25 people are Trump or bust. 25% of Republicans are never Trumpers. And 50% are Trump, but would consider somebody else. Or they are, have, you know, have a preference of, of, of another candidate. What that tells me statistically is that there is at least a plurality of Republican voters, primary Republican voters, that are up for grabs. 
they're there to be taken. And it's, it's, it's a reaction to these statistics that is encouraging folks that do believe that they have traction and in fact have it like, well, we'll say like DeSantis, Nikki Haley, right? It is the reason why they entered the race because what might seem to a casual observer as a done deal, as a all but certain coronation of Donald J. Trump as the next GOP party nominee. And I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I'm just saying that it, it seems like it's a given thing and it's not necessarily a done thing. And the data seem to back it up. That's all. That's what I'm getting at here. Now, what is interesting is going back within the last week, there have been some general election matches up. And I always like to look at this because this is very theoretical. It's still two years out. Trump, uh, let's see, there's an economist YouGov poll, Trump v. Biden. Biden plus three. Then there is a recent uh, poll yesterday, released yesterday, general election poll. Again, this is a national poll, presupposing that, for example, here, DeSantis would be the GOP nominee and that Biden would be the Democratic nominee. This is a Rasmussen report poll. It is a dead tie, statistical tie, 44 to 44. Um, And, you know, there it is. I mean, it's, can I be honest? I mean, in a general election matchup, uh, economist YouGov, um, it's only Biden plus three. It's not Biden, Biden plus 10. The real commentary there on these results is that, that, that Biden at this point is running not necessarily against a Republican. He's running against himself. He has himself to blame for all of this. His worst opponent is his record. The four years of the Joe Biden presidency of this administration is going to be the worst boogeyman to chase Democrats in 24 they've ever seen. We thought that, you know, and again, Mitt Romney managed to lose it. Why Democrats love Mitt Romney, by the way. Well, Democrats love Republicans that lose. But I, I tell you, I'm, uh, we thought, we thought when, when, when Obama was running for re-election that he had a deplorable record. We thought that he was a total clown. We ridiculed him, and, and he was. He was an absolute demagogue, an absolute ideologue. We saw through him. We knew it was all bullcrap. We knew that he was bad for race relations, that he was not truly a post-racial president, that in fact he, like so many Democrats, used the issue of race to agitate and not to inspire. And we went into that. We thought, well, we've got somebody to run against. Look at this. This is going to be easy. So we're going we're gonna to run a good guy, Republican, Mr. Clean, Mr. Mormon himself, Mitt Mittens Romney, and um, yeah, listen, Mitt's a good guy. I, I don't, I know. I'm not going to get into. I, 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 he's a he's a good man. Okay, he's a decent human being, and I'm like some of his family. But he lost that thing, and it was a winnable race. And I'll tell you why. In part, it was that we lost that election. 
that fateful election. We lost because we thought it would be easy. We lost because we knew who Obama was. But it would blow your gourd to realize that there are people out there walking among us, believe it or not, that are so unaware and so uninformed that they think that Biden's kind of a, a lovable old fool and kind of a nice guy and, and it's all working and we're fine and any criticism of him is overblown. I bring this up because this is not going to be an easy election and we need to stop whispering sweet nothings to ourselves as Republicans and think, oh, we're just going to go in there and Trump's going to just blow it all away. Hell's bells? No, he ain't. Same for DeSantis. Same for Nikki Haley. You think we're going to win just we're gonna waltz in with Nikki Haley and just charm the pants off of everybody? No. The left is going to lie, cheat, and steal their way through this. And by that, I really mean they're going to out-strategy us unless we really put on our boxing gloves and brass knuckles and go into this full force. That's the word. That's the takeaway. When I look at these polls, that's what I think about. We better get ready to harvest some ballots like there ain't no tomorrow, folks. We got to go in there and we got to fight for every vote. That is what we're going to do in order to win this. There is literally no other way to get across the finish line. All right. Look, I, I still have my voice today. This is good. I got my voice. I know yesterday it was bleakers. I was just, you know, I got these hockey games. This, this, the Stanley Cup uh, is going to kill me. But we're going to bring that cup home for Vegas. Trust me on that, folks. Go Knights, go. I'll be back tomorrow. See you at 1 o'clock. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840, KXNT.